0: So Dave, we're deep into the semester. How's it going? Great. You've been busy on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock?
1: Yep. Co-hosting Music Biz 101 and more with you. Who have our guests been? Indie artist and alum Lauren Marsh, PR guru George Dassinger, Rosie Lopez, president of Tommy Boy Entertainment, and Adam Kornfeld, Rod Stewart's booking agent. I missed them. Is there any way I can still hear their words of wisdom? Sure. Every show becomes a podcast that so you can hear on our website, musicbiz101wp.com, or on the Stitcher mobile app. And it's all free. Who's coming up next? Grammy-winning producer Harry Wanger, Warner VP Dan Goldberg, Sean Rosenberg, the engagement director at Huge. Oh, that's big. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) The guests keep getting better and better. Our listeners, too. That's Music Biz 101 and more every Every Wednesday Wednesday at 8 p.m. PM, only on 88.7 WPSC. WPSC, Brave New radio. Radio. New music Biz 101 and more, the radio show. Of course, it's not the movie, but we do have a movie man here with us. We were going to get to Angelo Badalamenti. 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 I cannot say his last name. I've been saying his last name for weeks, and I've got butchered it every time except that time. So, Angelo Badalamenti.
2: Yes, you got that right. All right.
1: <clears throat> All right. We have We have a... My,
2: my grandfather would be, be very proud on how you pronounce that. Well, he would. He wouldn't yeah, beat me. He well. would He would.
1: <laughs> shake my hand. I appreciate it. So we're here. Uh, Angelo Badalamenti, you're listening to Music Biz 101 more on Brave New Radio 88.7 WPSC. That was Ali Mac Project. The world is ours. and Of course, we are here every week. Our producer is Philip Gorokhovsky. We have a lot of people in the studio with us tonight. We have Lonnie, who is Angelo's wife. We have Joe Pearson, who is Angelo's nephew. Yes, Angelo's nephew. We have Aaron Van Dyne, the business manager for Kiss Three Doors Down, and also the business manager for Angelo Badalamenti. We Got have Doctor da- David Weisberg, who's a doctor. If you're sick, call him. And of course, we have the most awesome co-host ever made. His name is Doctor Stephen Marconi.
0: How many more shows do we have?
1: We have actually, we have a bunch more shows. Really? We have four more live shows and we have five pre-recorded oh, we're shows. winding and... down, though.
0: This is it's spring today. Outside, everybody felt it. No more winter. No. Exam week. God, could you ask for anything more?
1: I could not. Ah, and you didn't? No. I could ask for a two-hour show with Angelo Badalamenti. Yes, I'm very excited. But we only get 60 minutes and counting. We'll let everybody... uh, Just real quick, everybody should go to our website, MusicBiz101WP. That's where you're going to sign up for our newsletter and find out when we have guests like Angelo Badalamenti on the air. You can uh, tweet us, hit us up on Facebook, find us on Instagram, at MusicBiz101WP. In fact, tweet us your questions now if you want to know anything about soundtracks composing and everything we're going to talk about and you may be listening to this in the future on the podcast on the stitcher mobile app and tonight if you'd like you may call us 973-720-2738 if you have a question but upcoming dr marconi we have james donio is that how you say it?
0: yes jim donio do Who, you know him he, yes i do know him he was actually he is but they changed the name of the organization the organization was NARM, National Association of Record Merchandisers. And they morphed, morphed, into, morphed. They morphed into music business.
1: Oh, the Music Business Association.
0: Association, that's right. right. And they're taking in a wider view of the industry beyond record merchandisers for the obvious reasons. And they uh, are led by a very progressive uh, gentleman, Jim Donio. And looking forward for his call in, I believe.
1: Yes, he's calling week. in on the next show. That's right. And then upcoming after that, Sean Rosenberg, Paul Sinclair, oh, Jerry Limbo. Sean Lambeau. Rosenberg's
0: finally coming <clears> in. in.
1: We've been. Touting his appearance for 10 In months. September. I remember him. I remember him.
0: Yes. Well, he's coming, uh, to, the, David he's right. coming to the telephone. Yes. So.
1: <laughs> we'll have a telethon with him, actually. All right. All right. So we are just about to break into questions. Before we do that, we should mention that if you are looking for free advice about the music and entertainment biz that can help you succeed, then Music Biz 101 and More is the only college radio-based broadcast and podcast that can give you those tools mm-hmm. for success. So, Dr. Marconi.
0: Well, why is Angelo here tonight?
1: Angelo is here because of our good friend and frequent guest and collaborator and adjunct professor, Aaron Van Dyne.
0: Ah, well, he brought him, but why is why did he pick Angelo?
1: Because Angelo's an award winning composer and correct. That was (laughs) anyone
0: in the (laughs) anyone who remembers the great David Lynch uh, series, actually called Twin Peaks. I, uh, heard of, I heard of that one. Yes, it was the composer. And uh, what was so wonderful about Twin Peaks is I think it was one of the first nonlinear shows that we didn't have this beginning, middle, and the end every every week. And that, would, that made it very fresh. And that with, of course, this haunting, beautiful soundtrack that was uh, composed by you, of course. Well, thank you very much. Phil, can we hear just a couple of uh, inches <clears throat> of uh, Laura's theme? I think our listeners will really uh, connect with this. was 20 years ago and it still sounds fresh and it still just puts you in this eerie eerie place
2: sets a a mood yeah so how how
0: did your mind work to do this i mean you were basically a a french horn major at in a conservatory you went to eastman and then manhattan you weren't really taking composition and and you just this comes out of you. So
2: it's a beautiful, heartening theme. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll, I'll tell you just uh, first a little bit about uh, how uh, this, this whole theme was created. <clears throat> David, um, I had a little office across from Carnegie Hall, a little one-room office, and um, uh, and, and David uh, came up. Uh, uh, this was after I had started a relationship with David because we did Blue Velvet together, which I'll talk to you about uh, later um, and we were friends at the time and uh, we were kind of in sync with each other but he said I've got this idea for a show and it's called a Northwest Passage and um, I, I, you know I, it's got to have a certain kind of music you know well okay what kind of music he says well David then sat next to me to the right of me, I had this Fender Rhodes keyboard in my room, an old Fender Rhodes. Uh, and David sat next to me, and on the roads, we put a little cassette. Remember the days of a cassette recorder? Mm-hmm. And 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 he just started to talk to me in my right ear very softly. He closed his eyes and he said. Angelo, uh, we're in a dark wood and the moon is out and the, the, the sycamore trees are just kind of swaying back and forth in the background, you know, you'll hear an owl you know, just hooting away very softly and gently he says, can you, can you start playing something, you know, that captures that? suddenly, for some reason, I hit an octave C on the bottom, right away minor came into my mind, and I started playing this kind of A-flat chord over the C bottom, and then resolved it to the the pure C minor, and I, I just started playing what you're hearing, but Oh, Angelo, yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool, that's really cool, but can you play it slower? Slower? You know, because I played it, uh, dee dong, dee da, dee da, dee da. No, slower. So I played it half the tempo, half the tempo. Dee da, dee da. Oh, Angelo, it's beautiful, but can you play it slower? I said, David! If I'm playing this slower, it's, I'm going to have to play it in reverse. <laughs> <you know? laughs> you know? He said, no, please, please. So, okay. And then I just started really playing it slow. He says, okay, keep it going. Keep it going. This is beautiful, Angelo. This is the dark wood. I see it. Now, Angelo, can you, can you take, go from there? There's a lonely girl in the background. Her name is Laura Palmer. She's very troubled, Angela. She's very troubled. She's very beautiful. She's a she's an, a high school kid, but she's she's got tears in her eyes, and she starts to walk closer from from the back into from the back of the woods, closer forward. Can you go into another theme? And from there, I, I took the minor, that A flat over over uh, the the C bottom, and then change that into a, a major theme, which is the Laura Palmer theme when it when it, when it switches the color the Dom. And, and 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 he said, just keep letting it build, let it build. And my fingers just went there. That's it, that's it, Angelo. It's, it's she's beautiful. I see her tears and then but keep going, keep going up. And I just went up, you know, mm-hmm. whatever scale I, I, I was playing now she's close and, and, and there it's a close-up on her. Reach a climax, Angelo. and be. That's it, That's it. That's it, Angelo. That's beautiful, that's beautiful. Now Angelo, now Angelo, take that and come, come down towards the where you started. And I went right down from that top, slowly, falling, 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 falling right down. And back into the dark wood and let that go. I went that on for how many minutes I played, God knows I was probably six or seven minutes. And David's hair on his arms were up, the tears in his eyes. He said, Angelo, you you've captured Twin Peaks. This is Twin this is Northwest Passage. This is right. Twin Peaks. The visions that I have and what you did, you translated my words into music. And that has been my relationship with David Lynch. So uh, unlike the normal uh, collaborations between composers and directors, which I'll also talk to you about, um, the only project I worked with David in a traditional way was the first one I worked with him where I first met him, the movie Blue Velvet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a a whole other story, which I could also tell you about. Uh, first meeting him. And what he was like, and all of that. But anyway, regarding the Laura Palmer theme, that's the story.
3: Yeah, it's that's wonderful. a that is wonderful. It's a wonderful theme. It's also a wonderful story to, to hear about you collaborating with the film, you know, with it, with a, a a filmmaker, somebody making TV. It, you know, we often don't get that opportunity. The collaboration isn't often there. We get relegated to this purgatory we call post-production, and then right. maybe you get a little right. after the fact. You get a little right. co- collaboration, a little yeah. talk, but yeah. that, that's a yeah. real collaboration. You're absolutely
2: right, Dave. M- m- most most films and and most collaborations with directors. I mean, every director has has musical input. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not. 99% of them aren't musicians in any way, but a lot of them have a wonderful sense for music. They really do. These are intelligent guys who know all parts of film. Uh, uh, almost every director I've worked with, there have been a few questionable, but most of them, uh, I'm always kind of surprised, you know, how brilliant they are in so many different areas. They can't tell you the notes to write. And, and you know... Uh, and, and if, you know, if you talk talk just words, doesn't do it. Play it for me, and I'll let you know. You know, I got to hear it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so how did the uh, Blue Velvet with the pop, the whole pop thing, how did that, that...
2: that? That's an incredible story. That's how I met David Lynch, actually, on Blue Velvet. And here's a story for some young, you know, uh, composers, uh, of which there are so many out there, uh, and so many talented young people, uh, you know, like, I wish you all the the best. Uh, it's 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 a it's a tough grind, but let me tell you, pursue your dreams. You know, go for it, and um, you'll know. You, you know, you'll you'll know when 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 the time is to to back off if you have to, but give yourself a shot at it. That's just as a side note. Anyway, uh, what happened uh, was uh, I, I received a phone call at home. Uh, this goes back to 1986, and um, I received a phone call from my friend Peter Runflo and Fred Caruso, who were the line producers of Dino De Laurentiis' film, Blue Velvet, starring Dennis Hopper and Isabella Rossellini. I received a phone call and um, saying from my friend Peter, and Peter said, Angelo, uh, David Lynch is shooting this movie In Wilmington, North Carolina, it's Blue Velvet, Isabella Rossellini, Dennis Hopper. Isabella has to sing a song called The Blue Velvet, this standard. She wore blue velvet, you know, Mm -hmm. the Bobby Vinton tune. And um, they're having trouble. David's not happy with how she's uh, singing it for the movie. She doesn't have to be a great singer, but they don't even like the way it's being interpreted. The people that she's working with she's turned off by and says, now these people don't know how to teach me, you know, and all of that, you know, and, and, uh, Fred knew that I had worked with singers through the years and that I might be able to work with her. Anyway, I said to myself, wait a minute, Isabella, she's got to be able to sing. She's half Italian. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Steve? (laughs) She's half Italian. She has to sing. So anyway, uh, I, I at first I said, "Hey man, you can get anybody to do this." You know, what do you need me for? Besides, at that time, I wanted to go buy a, 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 a secondhand car because I just had just about enough money. I think it was eight hundred forty dollars in my pocket to buy a car, and I'm I'm not kidding you. It was it was at a point at, at a time where things were kind of getting a little tough, you know, mm-hmm. um, and um, so so reluctantly I said okay I'll come down you know what the heck so I go down and I I meet with Isabella we go into a little room once again a little cassette on a piano and I work with Isabella for maybe a couple of hours and we put a a nice recording with just piano and Isabella singing Blue Velvet Fred the, the producer myself and Isabella then go to the set David is shooting the last scene of Blue Velvet He puts on his earphones. He says hello to me, you know. Uh, He puts on his earphones, listens to this thing, and he says, that's the ticket. This is Peachy Keen. I said to the producer, what does that mean? I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Bensonhurst. What does that's the ticket Peachy Keen mean? He loves it, (laughs) Angelo. He loves it. Uh, he actually loved it. And David later said, I could have, I could have taken exactly what Angelo did with Isabella and Isabella's singing her vocal, put that little cassette in the movie. And all she would have to do is dub it. That was the start of our relationship. That was the start of it. Mm-hmm. From there, they, uh, I'll just further it. Uh, they, uh, David wanted to use Shostakovich's fifth symphony for mm-hmm. Blue Velvet. He was in love with the fifth symphony and uh because it had a kind of darkness you yeah. know etc and, and um i i then wrote a song with david called mysteries of love which is a whole other wonderful wonderful story um uh, I, I may as well t- tell you you know these stories if you'd like to hear them um it's, it's also talking about relationships and to all you young guys out there it's it's how relationships develop and um uh, what sometimes you have to do to to collaborate and to learn how to collaborate, um, you know, and ultimately with respect uh, for each other—that's the key and trust. Anyway, um, so what happens after we hit a home run with Isabella, where no one else could do it? Um, uh, David Lynch loved this song by the Mortal Coil called um, uh, uh, "The." the, the Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, mortal coil. Um, I, f- I forget the title. Anyway, it was his favorite song and record of all time. And he wanted to use it for the movie. But the synchronization rights, uh, which is the right to use something, uh, would cost $50,000. And Dino De La Renta said, I don't want to go for that kind of money. He tells uh, the producer, why don't you tell this musician friend of yours to write a song like that? And then, you know... Uh, you know, <laughs> so the guy comes to me and he says, uh, the "Producer Angelo, can you write something? You know, in this style." I said, "Yeah, but I'm I'm not a lyricist, so I need someone to write a lyric." Um, uh, I said, "How about your director friend, Dave, David Lynch?" <laughs> that was the Brooklyn Smarts. Mm-hmm. That that that's a, here's here's a lesson for you, young guys. If you're gonna make a collaborator. You know, or, or, you know, you, 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 it's a good thing to share. Mm -hmm. It is a very, very good thing to share. 50% of something, you know, you don't have to hang on for 100%, you know what I mean? Get your foot in the door, get it, get it going, get it, get it moving, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I did have the Brooklyn Smarts to say, why why not the, I knew a lot of lyricists, but I said, why not the director? figuring that he may be predisposed (laughs) to liking what we do. But anyway, they go to David and said, hey, we can have this guy write a song and you do a lyric. And and David said to himself, this is is ridiculous. I'm going to write a song. I'm not really a lyricist. This guy I never met, you know, coming in from New Jersey is going to write music and we're going to write a song that's going to be at least as good as my favorite song and record of all time. Give me a break. <laughs> but David had the smarts to pacify Dino De Laurentiis and say, okay, we'll give it a shot. And he's figuring we'll write a song and then it's going to be terrible. And then here, Dino, I did it. Now put up the 50,000 and I want to use the mortal coil. Mm-hmm. Siren, of, Siren of Love or something. Mm-hmm. Song of the Siren was mm-hmm. the title. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, I, I say to Isabella, David then said, record Isabella on Blue Velvet in New York. I put some musicians together. She came in, and I recorded her on the song Blue Velvet. So she brings in a little piece of yellow paper, and on it, in David's writing, is Mysteries of Love. And and I'm reading the lyric. It says, sometimes a wind blows, and you and I float in the darkness and love forever, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at this. I'm saying, what the hell? What the hell is this? You know, there's there's not a single rhyme. There's there's no form. Where's the hook? Where's the ain't no mountain high enough? You know what I mean? It's like, come on, where's the hook? What what am I going to do with this? I said, I'm so sorry I asked this guy to write a lyric. But sure enough... Uh, once again, the Brooklyn Smarts comes in, boys and girls. I called the director and said, "David, this lyric I got to tell you, it's something. It's um, really something, David. Um, I didn't say it was good it was bad. It is, it's really something, David. Uh, let me ask you a simple question. Yeah, yeah, Angelo, what kind of what kind of music? Do you, do you have any music kind of in mind? Oh yeah, Angelo." Uh, make it like a soft wind, make it float, just make it endless, make it like the tides of the ocean in and out, and just suspend. Oh, I see what you mean. I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. What the hell, you know, and and I'm looking at this lyric. I have this lyric, by the way, at home framed, you know, with his writing. It's only eight lines. It's more like a sonnet, you know. And somehow, I just, boom, once again, put my fingers on a keyboard and wrote, Sometimes the wind blows and you and I float in love, you know. And anyway, um, David hears it, loves it. it. Uh, I never changed a single word, word, by the way, excuse me. Then he said, I need a singer that sings like an angel. I knew Julie Cruz from New York because she was a singer in, in a, a off-Broadway show that I was involved with, actually a, a Nashville kind of musical that I had written. And she was in the cast. And I said, Julie, can you sing like an angel? Because David wanted someone that sounded like an angel. And she says, I, could, I, I think I can do that. I gave her, uh, uh, made a little demo for her. She came back the next morning to that same little office across from Carnegie Hall, She sang the first line, and it was love at first sound. Mm -hmm. I made a demo with Julie. David heard it, loved it. Bang, now I did Isabella, wrote a great song with him that he loved for the movie, got uh, the singer to work. Then he said, can you compose like Shostakovich? (laughs) And I'm not one-tenth as good, but I'll try. You know, know, uh, I'll try. And... um, He said, okay, Angelo, man, I mean, you've done all of these things, forget it. Did it, uh, scored out the the score in in somewhat of that style, you know, dark, Russian, off-center, quasi-jazz, but, you know, and and all of that. Went to Prague, recorded with the Prague Symphony Orchestra, and uh, boom, that was the, the whole thing.
1: Great, great. It sounds like Julie Cruz had some Brooklyn smarts, too. When you asked her, can you sing like an angel, uh, right. she would have been kind of silly to go, oh, no, I can't do that.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, you know, especially that, uh, you know, especially that she was a show singer, you know, uh, sing like Elton Merman, you know, show, you know, projection, <laughs> industrial. But she pulled it off. She's brilliant. Julie's a wonderful, wonderful talent, and she did a, you know, and we did a wonderful album with "The Floating Into the Night."
1: And and didn't she do another song with you? Was it in Twin Peaks or what else did she? Oh, sing? she did uh, a bunch of songs. She yeah, did
2: yeah. Uh, 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 "The World Spins" and "The and Nightingale on Camera." Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah,
1: because she back. This is back and, around '90 or something when 90, Twin Peaks came out. That's when she started seeing her name around. Oh yeah. yeah, well
2: actually, yeah, we did her. You know, we. Once we created the song of Mysteries of Love, which she sang, then we started putting an album together for her, and one of the songs was Falling. David wrote the lyric called Falling, and uh, and I wrote the 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 melody. David just I would always ask David just give me a title and a couple of lines. I don't need more than that, and and from there I'll create a whole melody, and then you play with the lyrics, we'll go back and forth and we'll collaborate. So uh, David gave me a whole bunch of different lyrics and, and I wrote 8, 10, 12 songs and they were all, all right for Julie. And we did the Floating Into the Night album with Julie. Falling became the pop song out of that, which was number one, like eight countries around the world as a vocal. And then the the music was the main title theme, For uh, Twin Peaks, you know, the ding, 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 Mm -hmm. that great identifying sound of that bass guitar, you know, uh, uh, sound. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm sorry, going back to that, uh, because at Twin Peaks time, Chris Isaac had Wicked Game. Did you have anything to do with helping out the arrangement of Wicked Game no, no, or, no, or that, choosing that? Or no, you,
2: no, that was, uh, he, he He recorded that on his own beforehand. That, it,
1: did you choose that song or was no, there David, a separate? No, David, um, David
2: liked Chris Isaac very much, uh, much and he particularly liked him, you know, on that song. And then, you know, uh, it, it was used in one of the films. Uh, I, I think, I'm not sure, I'm sure which film. That may have been Wild at Heart. That was it's Wild like, at Heart. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah, wild, yeah. Still David yeah, yeah. but yes, Wild yeah, at exactly. Heart. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right, and that was his biggest.
0: So hit. You, you did get somewhat involved with some of these uh, rock musicians in the '90s. You know, uh, we well, you know I've
2: got you know a wonderful uh, anecdote. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's here's a terrific one. I, I think you'd really like. Um, the thing is, the thing is, rock and and um, pop soul. I, I really did a lot of songwriting previous to my time of writing movies. Um, a a whole bunch of years writing mostly pop soul for people like uh, 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 Nina Simone and Nancy Wilson and Roberta Flack Della Reese and Patti Austin Mm -hmm. there there were a lot of female black oriented uh, pop soul singers that seemed to be attracted to the style of writing that I was doing and um, but uh, but also, what happened is I got a phone call from one of these record companies, Mercury or what it what it was was, they said Angela, we're doing an AIDS benefit album. They did one every year, Red Hot and Rhapsody it was it was called, and it's a collaboration of two 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 people, and we would love for you to collaborate with someone, and this year's concept is George Gershwin songs, uh-huh. so. You pick a song, but do it—you know—something that you love, and do it in your style, and then get a singer. We'll get a singer, you know, a top contemporary singer to sing on top of your track, and you two will collaborate. Well, I picked a Foggy Day in London Town because I, 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 I knew that I, I could take that verse. I was a stranger in the city. And just make it very dark and very slow. dee 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 da 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 dee da And just these abstract dark things all around it in a very slow foggy day, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I got into uh, an arrangement and an orchestration uh, that really captured something that I was very close to. So I, I t- took that foggy day into another kind of world. They heard the track, the record company said, oh my God, that's fantastic. And I then did a vocal, this is kind of funny, a vocal, a demo vocal at my studio house and um, singing the melody on top of my track, right? So I bring the, the demo to the, the record company and they flip. Oh, this is great song, Angelo, fantastic. Now, who do we get for a singer? So I said, with a very straight face, well, me, what you hear? Oh, 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 Angelo. Yeah, I mean that's a nice demo you made. That's great. we love to try. No, me, uh, that vocal. I like my vocal, and that's what I'd like to have. And I did it with a very straight face, but meanwhile, you know, I'm kind of hysterical underneath. You know, uh, I have a way of looking like that. You know, okay. and they got they got a little scared. You know, oh, 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 yeah, Angelo. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. You know, and I left the room, right? I'm in a studio um, at the Edison Recording Studio on 48th Street, and I was recording Tim Booth from the group James. We were doing an album, Booth and the Bad Angel, together collaborating. And um, the, the engineer said, uh, Angelo, there's a phone call from you, for you. I said, who is it? It's David Bowie. David Bowie? Okay, okay. Everybody take five. David, how are you? Great, Angelo. I just heard this track; it is fantastic. I I, uh, I understand that you want to, you know, be the singer on it, but I, I would give anything to to really be the singer. I said, oh, David, I got this is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you something, David. Thinking about it, I know your style and, and everything else. Go, man. Let's do it. Oh, thank you so much, Angelo. Right? Boom. That night, the next morning. in the morning, my phone rings, and I hear something in the distance, this kind of sound. Angelo? Angelo? Yeah. Yes. Who's calling? Who's calling, please? This is Bono. Mm -hmm. Bono. He says, I'm in Ireland, man. I'm in a car. He said... I just heard this track. (laughs) It is the most fantastic thing. He said, I I, I wish I didn't hear it because I've got albums to do. I'm on tour. I'm doing all of these things. I've got my plate is full, but I got to do this vocal. I'll make a video. I'll do a whole thing, anything you want, man. I said, Bono, I committed myself last night to Bowie. He said, he sings pretty good, too. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 that's a true story and and then the record company I must tell you then called me said Angelo you know you do have a choice between Bowie and Bono I said no I don't have a choice it's because I committed myself to Bowie and that's it but Bono's gonna make a lot now forget about what it's gonna make this is the commitment and that's it mm-hmm.
1: We have a choice that we we need to make at the moment, and that is we have to go real quick to a break, and then we ah. will come back. We have more questions. We have your tweets, so we will promise that we will get to the tweet questions you have. But until then, you're listening to Music Bands 101 and more with Dr. Stephen Marconi, David Weisberg, Professor David Kirkfield, and of course, Angelo Battalamente. We'll be right back. How can I make money in the music business? Why
0: copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt?
1: Why am I not making
0: any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi. And me, Dave Phil.
1: Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the music management program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? This music is 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit, I think. (laughs) If you
2: want to learn about the music
1: industry And you don't know where to go Turn into WP eighty-eight point seven, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. At 8 p.m. You're listening.
0: You're listening.
1: You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. To Isabella Rosalini doing the arrangement of Blue Velvet that she did with the great and wonderful guest we have, Angelo Battalamenti on Music Biz 101 and more. Um, Angelo, thank you again for being with us tonight. My pleasure. We, uh, we do have a question via tweet that a student, a master's degree student in composition, has for you. And the question is uh, from Tona Vaz is, the film scoring the, is film scoring the best business for a composer these
2: days? Okay. Well, first of all, <clears throat> composing uh, for film, yeah, I, I think um, uh, you know, f- you know, film scoring m- might might bring you know the, the, the most success uh, financially. Uh, however, you know, y- you know, you have to make it. You have to you have to have you have to get in into that world, and you have to uh, have enough projects out there because. The residuals just go on and on and on. Uh, and those residuals are, uh, you know, ASCAP, you know, BMI, or the Performing Rights Society, as most of you all know. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of ASCAP because ASCAP just treated me well some, you know, 30 years ago just to begin with. Um they, they they help me out with a little advance just to sign up, uh, and then they they have a wonderful system of paying royalties. And here here's where where the film thing comes in. You you as a composer, of course you get a fee for writing a score. Uh, the producers of films must pay you x amount of dollars. Uh, there there's different ways of doing that. Uh, a lot of times, uh, it, it would be called an all in deal where. Mm-hmm. A film company would say, hey, listen, we have $50,000 total, uh, a budget for music, and you have to give us an hour and 15 minutes of music, original music, and you have to uh, pay for the uh, arranging and the orchestration, and you have to cover the cost of the musicians and the studio and the engineers, uh, a package deal. Um, And, uh, you know, you, you have a situation like that. The second is uh, if a, a movie company might might just give you uh, an out-and-out fee, and then uh, uh, you agree on a fee, and then they then cover all costs. Also, um, the royalties from the Performing Right Society is is income that you, your children, and your grandchildren can live on for a long time if you're successful at it. Um, because what happens, uh, especially, you know, American films that do very well, uh, or not, not, not even all the time very well in this country. A lot of times certain films will do well in France or Germany or Japan or Italy. Uh, and uh, those countries uh, pay royalties uh, they have box office royalties, uh, unlike the United States, we don't pay on mm-hmm. box office, but we do uh, pay for uh, television. And anytime one of your movies is shown on television, I mean, for me, for instance, uh, I wrote the music for Christmas vacation, you know, Chevy chase and every, every, every uh, 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 not only every Christmas, but, I mean, it's a perennial. It's it's an evergreen. It just uh, mm-hmm. no pun intended. <laughs> Christmas vacation, but it just just keeps going on and on, and you just get these royalties. It's cable television at this point, uh, which which generally pays less in in royalties. However, when you have enough plays, this thing all adds up, and in Europe, your films then go to all these different countries. And, and the major countries, of which I've mentioned some of them, pay handsomely. And, and they keep great records and they pay ASCAP or BMI or uh, CSAC. That's the third society. Um, and it's just incredible how, how the films you do, you know, over the past 10, sometimes 12, 13 years. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, you receive these payments from ASCAP. Uh, as a writer, um, f- uh, uh, four times a year. And if you happen to own some of the publishing of your writing, which I can talk to you about later from a business point of view, um, you also get four four checks a year from that. And it, it is it is a beautiful thing. It's, it's like uh, I once told Norman Mailer when I was writing the movie for Tough Guys Don't Dance, which he directed, and he needed a song, and I said, Norman, you you and I should write the song. So we wrote a country song together, where he wrote the lyric, and I had Mel Tillis record it. And he said, Why should I write the song? I said, Norman, because you'll make money while you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Norman said, I'll write the lyric. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, if you're successful once again, and 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 you need, you know, you you need to. You need to get a role, you know, you, you, you need to do, you know, many films unless you get very lucky with one of those perennials that, you know, get played all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is it is probably the most uh, uh, profitable from a business point of view. Needless to say, of course, it's difficult, but anything worthwhile is difficult
3: what kind of advice would you give to up-and-coming composers or composers just starting out to get their irons in the fire yeah. in this business? Yeah.
2: I mean, this is the thing. Um, you know, other than all the anachronisms of being at the right place at the right time, uh, et cetera and, you know, um, uh, first of all, um, first of all, you, you know, it, it, work, work, once again, and I stated this before, Share, bring in collaborators. Work, work, work with any 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 young director, uh, people who are doing shorts uh, in, in these schools, or all these young directors. You never know who who climbs the ladder and and, and gets a thing. Mm-hmm. Establish relationships, uh uh, 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 work back and forth, and don't worry about so much of how much you're going to get. You know, do things on spec. Mm-hmm. Do things on spec i can 't tell you how many things in the early days I did on spec that turned out to be gold mm-hmm. uh, uh, just by by, by giving it and, and i mean i 've got you know if we had ten hours, I would tell you all these anecdotes about how, how I turned things by just taking a shot and and, and and doing it on spec and sharing how that you know just helped uh, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And then relationships, keep a smile on your face. Take, you've got to, you've got to take rejection. You've got to be capable of taking <laughs> rejection because I got to tell you, you know, especially, you know, if you're working in, 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 in films or, or any other areas of the business, you've got so many people, you know, who's, who's, who likes something, who doesn't like it or, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you've got to do it with a smile on your face. If, if you have, Because you can go back again a second time. If you then have uh, a nasty remark about someone who said something to you, a director or a producer, forget about it, man. It's over. But if you say, oh, I'm so sorry you didn't really like that music, uh, you can come back tomorrow or next week and play them something else. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, very important thing. And be courteous to, to people who, who, who you think are, are nobodies. You can walk into an office and, and a, a man or, or a lady who are at the desk, you know, be kind of gentle and, and, and once again a smile. And, 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 and because you turn around in five years, they're the CEO of Disney, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, so it's relationships. Uh, I, I think that's some of the, and, and, you know, musically speaking, if you want to be a film composer, get involved and 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 with all kinds of music, ethnic music, music from from all various countries, Latin music, pop, soul, jazz, uh, uh, Turkish arabesque, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because when when you get called as a composer, a lot of films have very many different styles and things, and you have to be able to handle that. So prepare yourself. Um, and, and develop relationships just 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 get your foot in the door
0: now did you always uh think you were going to be a writer I no mean, you didn't you didn't go to to college
2: in no. composition no I, I actually was a French horn major I, first of all i, I started playing piano at, at the age of eight years old mm-hmm. and I, I took lessons starting at eight um and then started getting serious about that but by the time I was 12 or 13, I found that I was more interested in just going to a piano and I was writing melodies mm-hmm. for some reason. And I would do that every weekend uh, for so many years. Right? And and I was just writing. There was just something about uh, uh, wanting to write. And so that was kind of an inner thing. I had no idea I would ever be a film composer or get involved in that. I didn't know what. I was a French horn major. I thought my life... Was going to be playing a French horn mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a hopefully a good orchestra, but when I even when, when I was at Eastman and majoring in the French horn, Eastman for two years, uh, studying with Gunther Schuller, mm-hmm. great horn composer, sure. uh, and uh, then after two years, I said I, I better go to New York because, the you know the very fact that I was a piano player and I, I could play dates and stuff like that, I mm-hmm. could play you know pop and 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 a little bit of jazz and that kind of stuff. Um, I could make some contacts. Um, And I really wasn't totally in love with the French horn, to be honest. I found that I would spend more time sitting at a piano and writing just themes, instrumentals, instrumentals. Mm -hmm. And so what I did, and I advise this to young people who want to be film composers. I don't have to tell you it's, it's a long shot, but once again, pursue your dreams. Uh, and, um, you know the, uh, you know pursuing it, it's a long shot. Mm, what was the whole point? I'm missing something. That you here.
0: left the French horn.
2: Yeah. So so the French horn. You know I, I you know I, I kind of stopped the French French horn. Oh, the the advice was take education courses in school. So you you you're a major. You're a composition major. Uh, also take education courses so that you can teach a uh, 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 school. Uh, uh, state school, high school, junior high school, whatever—you'll have a gig. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you, you know you 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 have some income coming in. You're building something, but you also have a lot of time when uh, uh, uh to 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 write uh, weekends after you have you have time to get in your car, go into the city, make contacts. You have to you have to have that kind of aggressive nature. Uh, but you have the backup that you have a job and you're able to do it. So I do recommend that. And that was the story personally with me. Uh, I I, I was not interested in playing horn in an orchestra. I decided to teach school. I was 22 years old with a master's degree, and I taught school at the Diker Heights Junior High School in Brooklyn uh, for five years. And the last year, in that fifth year, this is a nice story for you to hear— in that fifth year, I needed to do a show with my children, and a Christmas show. And I'm looking at the repertoire. I didn't like anything to do. I said, I'm going to write an original musical. So uh, I, I got the idea of doing Christmas Carol, The Dickens, for my seventh and eighth graders. It was a middle school, Dyke like Heights, junior high. I, I I knew this lyricist from Lawrence, Kansas, John Clifford. I, I never met him, but but... He used to send me lyrics, and, and I used to get recordings by various pop soul artists like Nina Simone and Nancy Wilson, et cetera, et cetera. And I was still a school teacher at the time, but I was to run into the city and play for publishers and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we wrote this musical, it was presented in school. It was a success in school. The Board of Ed heard about it. They loved it. They called Channel 13. Channel 13 came down, said, Mr. Badalamenti, would you take your children into our television studios? We'd like to videotape this, and we will show it every Christmas Eve and Christmas Day for the next two or three years. I took them in. We did the show. It was called Christmas Carol, original musical. And I get a phone call from a small publisher, primarily of children's music, Shows like Captain Kangaroo and all of that in a small little in New York City. His name is Frank Stanton. He said, Mr. Badalamenti, I want to publish what I heard if I can. Can you come up and meet me? Bang. While I'm there, he said, Can you write songs like Kurt Weil melodies? I said, Sure, I can do that. He said, Can you show me a few? I said, Okay, I'll go home and I'll write a couple. I wrote a few on spec. I played it for him. He said, I'd love to publish these and I'd like to make you my partner. In my company, I think you should retire from teaching. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, I'm, I'm making 180, 180 bucks a week. Are, are you hey. kidding? And I've got a pension going, and I love teaching. He said, but I really think you should do this. And he said, i got to tell you, I can only give you $50 a week, but I'll make it my partner, and you should be writing music full time. I went to the principal of my school, Mrs. Brennan. I said, Mrs. Brennan, I'm torn. I don't know what to do. I got this offer to just write music full-time, and I'm a teacher. And she said, Mr. Battlement let me tell you something. I don't have to tell you what you've done for this school and music, this show and the success of it, and we love you and the kids love you, but I've known too many gifted and talented people that never gave themselves a shot to pursue some dreams, and I hate, I hate to lose you, but I recommend you do it. That's, Thank you, Mrs. Brennan. And boom, I did it. For the first three years, I made 50 bucks a week. And uh, then the record started coming and build, 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 build. True great. story.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah. Tweets?
1: Yeah, we do have uh, tweets. And um, an interesting one. This is from uh, Joelle Filippi, whose mother's maiden name is Badalamenti. And her mother's mother discovered that somehow she's related to you as a distant 17th cousin or something. But but anyway, Joel, who was actually our student co-host last week, says you've worked with a lot of impressive people, and who is your favorite person to collaborate with? Well, it's got to be David Lynch. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, what's, what better marriage is there mm-hmm. than me and David? I mean, when you think about it, my God, uh, we met in 1986 with Blue Velvet. That was the start of it, and I don't have to tell you, just about... I mean, just about every movie that he—I mean, the ones that he did before I met him, of course, was a race ahead, and Dune, right. and you know, I think some shorts, or whatever before that. But Blue Velvet was, you know, the start of it, and you know, did just every one of his his feature films, plus recordings and commercials and and shows at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, um, and right up till he. Uh, uh, he did On His Own, Inland Empire, and that was the last, Mulholland Drive was the last one, mm-hmm. and David hasn't done a movie, you know, since, um, but um, he's just absolutely my favorite collaborator. It's, it's, it really is a marriage made in heaven. We, we, we call each other brothers, and what's beautiful about a relationship is, is like, uh, you, 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 don't, you don't even have to talk. All you do is look at each other or, or something like that, and, and, you, and you know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And what the the most important thing is is I mentioned before is is the respect that we have each other and the trust. So I, I I trust him and and of course his his instincts with music. He will trust me if if I say, hey David, you know I really want want to use it this way. Well, Angela, I don't know, David, I really do, and 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 he he will sometimes back off on that. David doesn't back off on very much, but he will on occasion. But he's so creative, you know, once again, he can't tell you the notes to write, but he comes up with these strange kind of things. It's like, you know, he's a genius with his concepts visually and he's able to, you know, inject ideas, you know, that are strange, you know. Why don't we just honk some horns? Well, but this is a beautiful battle. No, let's just make, you know, things like that, uh, mm-hmm. like the opening of Mulholland Drive. You know, you're hearing, uh, like a a, a, a dance, uh, and 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 you got honking horns and stuff. Normally, you would not do that. So I, you know, I trust his instincts. Uh, he's he's unbelievable. He's very very creative.
1: We have about what three minutes left or so. So, can we ask one more? Or David Weisberg, Doctor David Weisberg, did you want to ask something else since
2: you're here? And
3: you're... yeah, sure. Right. Uh, so many questions, but I'll try to pick one. You know what? Are I listen... Around,
2: we can talk later. Yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> uh,
3: when I listen to the music to to Twin Peaks, and I listen to the music, the things that you've done, I, I wonder the philosophy of attaching certain themes to certain characters is that is that a part of your thought process is that something that you you try to do consciously or you try not to do consciously because there is this this is you bring us into the world of these people in such a magical way Mm -hmm. i'm wondering i'm wondering if that's part of the the compositional process
2: i i think the the yeah it certainly is in 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 a lot of cases A, a lot of times uh yeah, with characters, uh, you know, especially quirky characters. Uh, I, I love to do off center things, you know, like like the the little man, the midget. You know, you do like a little snap thing, a jazz thing, or 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 for Audrey, the, the, the little the sex, you know, uh, 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 girl in in, in in Twin Peaks. Uh, you know, some, something really kind of very sensuous and yet very very dark underneath it. I mean that that's the key, you know, these mm-hmm. abstract uh, uh, dissonant things. Meanwhile, you got a sexy thing going on top and on the bottom. Um, so uh, you know, I do like to go with that. In film and in film scoring, a lot of times I would like I like to do music that goes against what you're watching. In other words, not go with what you're watching. just and makes an, you know it gives you almost an uncomfortable feeling, but that to me works. So, you know, and, and, and not, not doing the, the, the cartoon stuff, you stuff. Yeah. know. Like
1: the going yeah. counterintuitively to exactly. what is expected. Yeah. Well, we, well, speaking of that, we would expect to speak with you for hours and hours, but we can't because of the uh, WPSC Brave New Radio regulations and Philip Korachowski, <laughs> who is our producer. So we should start thanking you. So should we start yes, thanking him, Dr. Marconi?
0: Absolutely. All right. wonderful. Thank
3: you Anyone? so much for being here. And thank Mrs. Brennan, too. We should really thank yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah. And we do want to thank uh, Professor Aaron Van Dyne for driving you over here today. He's got a lead foot, but you were, did arrive safely. <laughs> so that's very important. And we want to thank Philip Gorachowski, who's only got a few shows left to produce for us, but he was behind the board. He was. He looks awesome today. I'm sorry you guys can't see it. We want to thank Dr. David Weisberg for asking a few questions. Thank you. David. Weisberg. Right. Thank you. We want to thank the lovely Lonnie Badalamenti for uh, being here and supporting her husband, Angelo, and Joe Pearson, who is the nephew. Thank you, Joe, for being here. Joe's a very good-looking young man as well, and he sang with the William Patterson uh, Choir last night, sang um, in Carmina Brana. So thank you very much, Joe. And um, we want to thank Dr. Stephen Marconi. He well, was always awesome.
2: Thank you very much. And I want to thank every one of you. What what a what a great interview. I love it, man. Yeah, Would
1: you come back if we... Uh, ab-
2: absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Right. absolutely.
2: I live around the corner, so you know okay. we can do it.
1: Well, I'll ride bikes over. Okay. We'll do, like a tandem <laughs> right. bike. That, that sounds good. Okay. And this was
2: quite a different show.
1: Yeah, it was very good. And yes. there's a lot more to talk about. So stay Dealing tuned for the
0: future. The creative, future. creative side. Of the music business
1: yes and speaking of the creative side you're listening to one of our creator, creative listeners Ali Mack who created this song specifically for the show which is a great thing it's very nice and we heard Tim Guyson's uh, jingle earlier so we do need to get going so on behalf of Dr. Steve Marconi Angelo Badalamenti all of the family here at WPSC Brave New Radio we would like you to thank you for listening to the music business 101 and more and, and for that we would like to say adios wpsc 88.7, Wayne, New Jersey.
0: Part of the William Patterson Broadcast Network. Brave New Radio.